You're listening to the Analysis Mason podcast with Tom Rebeck, and I'm here with Ibrahim Kassaji. Ibrahim has recently published two battle card reports for private networks. The first of these looks at the market from the perspective of service providers, and the second from the perspective of technology providers. In this podcast, we're going to focus on the service providers. But Ibrahim, maybe you could just first start off by explaining the difference between service providers and technology providers in this report. Yep. So by service providers, we're talking about the companies that will have direct relationship with the end customer, so the buyer of the private network. They'll be the first point of contact for that customer. And they'll typically provide a managed service of the network, support issues, uh, support with any issues, um, and be that port of call for the customer. Uh, and service providers, we're talking about mobile network operators, we're talking about systems integrators, managed service providers, and various other specialists. We then have technology providers. So these will provide the technology for the private network, so cellular equipment like the RAN or the core, or they'll provide adjacent technologies like Wi-Fi or cloud services, which are packaged together with the private network. And the key difference is that the technology providers, typically, they don't have a direct relationship with the end customer. They'll sell through indirect channels, which are usually the service providers. So the technology providers sell through the service provider so they have an indirect relationship with the end customer and the service provider manages the relationship with the customer. So by the technology providers, we're talking about uh, companies like Nokia or Ericsson or Salona or any of the other number of technology players in this market. Um, I, I guess this is particularly interesting in private networks because there is some overlap between those categories. So you do get examples of, say, Nokia selling directly to an end customer as well as a mobile operator or a systems integrator. Yeah, so the Nokia and Ericsson, so they're kind of exceptions in that they're technology providers, but they, they're service providers as well. Then we, we've also had new entrants into the market, so Wi-Fi players like, like Cisco and HPE, and they sell you know, purely through indirect channels. And then the hyperscalers like AWS and Microsoft, and again, they're selling through their channel partners, which are operators and systems integrators and so on. Okay, fine. That, that's clear, I think. Um, the second point we should touch on is just about battle cards themselves. What do we mean by battle cards and why are they of interest to, to private network players? So what we've done is we've taken these groups of service providers, for example, so the operators, uh, systems integrators, specialists, and so on. And when looking at, looking at these players as a whole, so we're not looking at the individual companies, but, but as a whole, the, the operators, for example. And then we have a set of criteria, which we'll go through in a second. Um, and for each of those criteria, we're saying which of these groups are, are it's a strength, which is a weakness, which is a bit mixed. And we kind of pull that together for each group so that there's a set of criteria. How does each player perform? And then we go through some of the strengths and weaknesses in detail. And then what we're doing with the battle cards is we're saying of those strengths, how do you capitalize on those strengths? And of the weaknesses, how do you mitigate those weaknesses uh, for each of these groups? So then you have kind of a set of battle cards for each of these groups, looking at where each, each is strong, where each is weak. And, and where they have work to improve. Yeah, and I think this is a particularly interesting idea for private networks, just because the types of player, the types of um, competitor are so different. Like you've already mentioned, um, there's the the different types of telecoms operators, and even there you get quite a lot of difference between like a mobile operator, a fixed operator, cable operator, and so on. Um, you get the mobile operators, you get the uh, systems integrators, you get some of the network uh, providers, you get some specialist players, some localized specialist players as well. So you get a whole bunch of different types of competitor um, with a very different set of strengths and weaknesses. So this is why I think that the battle cards are particularly valuable in this market. Um, let's, you mentioned some of the criteria. Let's go through a few of those criteria now, um, uh, what, what they are, 
um, why they're important to, to customers, and, and and maybe just mention who's weak and who's strong in in each of those uh, each of those categories. Yeah, so we've picked out a few criteria. Obviously, it's not exhaustive, but it's criteria that buyers of private networks use when they're selecting a service provider for that private network. So starting with track record, and here we're looking at um, how much experience the player has in private networks specifically. So how many actual commercial deployments do they have? And kind of how varied are those deployments? Do they have deployments across various types of sector, various types of uh, customer, and so on? And here, the established equipment providers like Nokia and Ericsson are very strong. They kind of had a head start, early move advantage, as they started with private LTE, and they have years of experience with different types of customers. The mobile network operators and some of the specialists are a bit mixed here. So some of them have lots of uh, deployments they can point to, but many of them are, are still quite early in this market. They started with trials and proof of concepts, and they don't necessarily have that strong track record of, of past deployments they can point to. Um, and that goes with global systems integrators. So um, often the systems integrators will be themselves partners to other networks. But in terms of being the main contractor themselves, it's a bit more limited in terms of that track record. Um, and that's probably an area they're a bit weak. Um, and the equipment providers there are very strong. Yeah. Um, let's go through the next one. The next one um, we've got here is um, pricing models. Yeah, so here we're not just talking about what the total cost of the private network is. Um, although that is that is important as well, obviously, um, but it's also about the, the flexibility in how the enterprise pays for that that private network. So some enterprises will favour a capex-heavy model. That's where they're buying the equipment and paying for it upfront. And others prefer more of an opex-based model, where the the upfront investment is much lower or, or not at all, and then they're spreading out that cost over a period of time by paying a, re a monthly recurring fee. And I think what's important here is, is not that one option is better than the other, but it's about matching the option to each enterprise and having that flexibility in, in, in offering different pricing options. And here, the established equipment providers is one of their weaker areas traditionally. So the likes of Nokia and Ericsson, they, they're kind of incentivized to want to sell their own equipment. Um, so, so they favor those CapEx heavy models. And some of the smaller players, the specialists, they're a bit more nimble, a bit more willing to work with different providers and then offer different pricing models. So the smaller specialists and, and, and the local players are a bit stronger here, uh, and the equipment providers are, are, are slightly less strong, although they are working to improve that, that they're, and they're starting to offer OPEX-based pricing themselves. Okay, good. Let, let's go through one more of these criteria. There, there are other things that we won't go through in detail, like the um, the financial stability of the, the provider, which I think is pretty pretty straightforward, um, support services, the extent to which they can, they can support the, the needs of a, a customer, again, pretty straightforward. Um, but let's let's just focus on um, package solutions and what you mean by that um, uh, and how the different players stack up. Yeah, so with a private network, you've got, you've got lots of different elements. You've got the RAN, you've got the core, you've got the devices, and you've got the software, the platform side, the application. So there's, there's lots of different pieces that make up a private network. So it's, it's the ability of the service provider to, to be able to offer all of those pieces and crucially to be able to stitch those together by the systems integration, the consulting services to bring it all together as a single solution. So we know from our research that, that many enterprises with a private network, they wanna deal with as few suppliers as possible. Um, ideally one supplier just to make it less complex from a, from a logistic and operations point of view. Um, and, and it's kind of mixed of the service providers of that ability to provide a package solution. So again, someone like Nokia and Ericsson is strong here. 
they provide the equipment, but they've also built up the, the expertise in the network in, in providing the consulting, the systems integration as well. And they've got a long list of partners that they work with that they can easily bring in. Whereas some of the other players, especially the smaller ones, the specialists, they may be strong in one particular area, but they may be more reliant on, on bringing in partners for some of the other elements. Um, an operator, for example, they may not have systems integration or, or professional services capabilities that are needed. Um, and in that case, they'll have to bring in a partner, which means you, you know the end customer is dealing with more players. So, so there, um, that I think is particularly important as you move down to away from large enterprises to, to mid-sized enterprises and smaller enterprises, which are adopting private networks. They're going to need help in, in bringing all those elements together. They may not have the capability to do it all themselves. So if, if they can get all of those elements from a single provider and that provider can, can, can make it all work for them, then that, that's kind of highly valuable for, for the buyer of the private network. Yeah, I think that's an important point. The early adopters of private networks tended to be very large organizations. They had big internal networking IT teams and they had the capabilities of, of, of packaging them things themselves. They could go to different device vendors or application vendors or security vendors and so on to, to work with uh, them and, and pull it all together. Smaller companies obviously don't have those resources, so they're more reliant on their suppliers and they want, as you say, as few as possible. Okay, let, let's just finish off by, by, by thinking about what service providers can do with this information? How do you think they're going to use these these, these battle cards? Yes, yeah, so obviously the first point is they can look at their own criteria and, and look at their weaknesses and, and identify where they need to improve. But I think the wider point is about being aware of, of the other players in the industry, the competitors, the guys they're going to go up against when they're competing for contracts uh, for private networks. And it's about seeing where are these other players strong, uh, stronger than you? So, so where do you need to work on? Also, where are the weaknesses of the other players? And, and in that is an opportunity to position yourself in a particular area. So if you're a, a specialist provider, for example, and you're going up against a Nokia and Ericsson for a contract, you can look at these battle cards and say, okay, uh, established providers may be a bit weaker on pricing models. Maybe that's an area that we can exploit by offering a lot more flexibility to the customer, giving them different pricing options. And, and having that knowledge of what other players are doing and where they're strong and weak, particularly as, as this is such a crowded field, Having that knowledge and being able to position yourself in the right place of promoting where you're stronger than them and, and where you can add value. I think that's really important for the service providers if, if they're to win business in a, in a very competitive field. Yeah, I think it's also something we know from the clients we've worked with. It's not always that easy to have a, a, a neutral perspective on how well you perform across these different criteria. So hopefully that's something we've been able to do in these uh, in these battle card reports. Um, I think another point that you've made in, in the report is it's obviously clear that there's no particular service provider that is head and shoulders above everybody else. Everybody has their different strengths and, and different weaknesses. So it, it's something that makes it from our perspective, really interesting market to look at, but also it makes it very competitive. And we can see that in who's winning who's winning these contracts. It's a real mix of different different types of players. Okay, very good. Thank you um very much for that, Ibrahim. Um as always we'll put links to the different reports in our in our show notes. If you'd like to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. We also welcome your comments, feedback and reviews. Thank you for listening.